Welcome to Virtual School Assembly. I'm your host, Tyler Christensen. I'm a productivity speaker, author, and classroom teacher. Here at Virtual School Assembly, I interview Hollywood celebrities, professional athletes, Olympians, speakers, and educators who share messages of inspiration, education, and hope to better prepare you for an ever-changing and uncertain world. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome back to Virtual School Assembly. Today, our guest is Celestia Barbie. Celestia is a confidence life coach and inspirational speaker, entrepreneur, and author from Leicester, England. She's the founder of Boss Studios VIP, a photography and video space for creatives, and Role Model Academy, where she works with others to add value to the way they think, act, and look. Welcome to the show, Celestia. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, I'm excited to get into your story, um, especially as an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, we haven't had enough of these kinds of episodes on the show, but I really want to help kids kind of understand what it takes to get there. A lot of kids want to start their own business, want to be creatives like you are. Yeah. And, and so I guess we should start kind of with your origin story. Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about your childhood and, and what that was like? Yeah, of course. No problem. So I'm originally from a farmhouse in the countryside called Bringhurst. So I've been brought up with my dad, my mum, my brother and my sister. And when I was age 14, my my mum and dad split up and it really affected my mental health. So going into school, I was quite a normal kid, hung around with good people, didn't have much problems until year nine and when my mum and dad split up in year nine I kind of started to go slightly off the rails and for me it was the starting point was simply getting my hair cut short at school so when I got my hair cut short the girls that I hung around with they started to push me out their group and they started to call me names and basically bully me and it really affected my mental health, considering I was going through my mum and dad splitting up at the same time. So the days went by and what happened was I ended up sitting in the toilet on my own um, for a week straight. And it got to the Friday and I was like, I can't sit in this toilet every lunch and break time for much longer. Otherwise, I'm going to go insane. So I decided to make friends and these friends were people that you would call the chavs at school. Now the chavs, they, it's not that they didn't have personalities. It's just that their personalities were getting involved in the wrong things um, that actually were really bad for your health. So after a couple of days, literally a couple of days of hanging around with them, I was walking down the hill from school and then one of them would spark up a cigarette so I would say oh, okay well you know what I mean I'll, I'll try a bit of that and it was kind of like from that moment everything for me started to shatter and go downhill so started off smoking and um, so when you have your first cigarette you don't think that you're going to be addicted quick but it it's a couple of cigarettes in and you really can get stuck on it and addicted to it because you don't only get addicted but you think it's the cool thing to fit in and I only wanted to fit in so after the weeks went by the next thing for me was getting on the bus and meeting these group of people that I was hanging around with out of school at a park and then we would go to the shop and we would get somebody older than us to buy us a bottle of vodka and I used to drink that much vodka that it just was drink till you're sick that was what it was about so after sort of three to four weeks I was smoking cigarettes and I was drinking bottles of vodka on the park now again a few weeks went by and it gets to the point where you are starting to pick up bad habits and once you pick up some bad habits, you get a feeling for a quick fix for a good feeling. And that's what it's about, having a, a good feeling. Because when you have a fag or have a drink, it makes you feel good in that moment. But obviously, you're not thinking about your health or your future or your mind or your soul or anything that goes with that. So for me, age 14, I was drinking, smoking, going out with a guy who was 
older than me, age 18, who was actually out of the school. And I was doing class A drugs and I was clubbing at nightclubs with fake ID. So these five habits were the starting habits to really ruin my life. And at the start, it was fun. And you know what I mean? Had a bit of a laugh, but when you start doing something on a consistent basis, it really starts to deteriorate your body, your brain, the way you see life, your friendships around you. And it just stops you from being able to learn in the right ways. So leaving school, I left school with no GCSEs at all, not even one, and really bad health for a, a sort of 14, 15 year old, really, really bad health. So. When I left school, I was like, what am I going to do myself? Because I don't have any, any kind of grades or anything to get me to the next level of, of my, what I need to do in, or what I want to do in my life. And believe it or not, for some strange reason, I managed to land a job really, really quickly. And it was at a hairdresser's. And I think I winged it because I've got all I had a personality at the time I didn't have an intelligent personality but I still had a ball of energy that was sort of sitting there but I didn't know how to use it so I think I won the job because I had a ball of energy and I think she might have thought oh she could maybe bring some energy into our business maybe that's why she gave me the job anyway a couple of days into the job role I turned up late I didn't really I turned up late within the week I turned up late and then I also didn't turn up twice <laughs> so even though I won the job because I was smoking and drinking and doing the drugs I had no sense of time or uh, consistency or actually having the inner strength to get up on time and for that reason I lost the job after a week so after the, the job had been lost, I'm back at square one. So the next step for me uh, was turning around to my mum and my dad and saying, look, like, can you help me? Is there anything that you can do? My mum had a pub and my mum said, look, let's get you on pot wash at the pub. I'm like, okay, like, right, let's go and do a pot wash job then. So I was doing the pot wash job, still hanging around in the wrong crowd. Um, and then the pot wash job ended up doing some um, kind of dessert rolls during that time, doing a few sort of ice cream balls and a bit of, you know what I mean, a bit of um, crumble, putting it in the microwave. And just by doing that, I thought, wow, well, why don't I go to college and do a catering course? Mm. Okay. So had this job at the castle that was where my mum's pub was and I was going up to the college doing a catering course but I was still the ball of energy with no lack of consistency so at the college course I was in and out in and out rolling around choosing when I wanted to go what time I wanted to turn up and to be honest they gave me some kind of grade at the end of it but I really don't know where that grade came from because I only turned up about once a week um I think they might have just been being kind to me but being in the college course um gave me a little bit of kind of connection to kind of trying to put some effort into life but at the same time I was still doing class a drugs and when you're doing drugs your brain is never evolving. You're literally drowning out your soul day in, day out. And you lose all sense of value for anything and anyone. And that was one of my biggest problems because I went from the pot wash to the um, making the desserts and then I was on the bar work. Now that was a big hazard because I didn't care for anything or anyone. So as soon as, as soon as the tills were counted in, I was taking cash out of my mum's 
out of my mum's till. So you can imagine feeding as much cash as you want from a till, you, your parents not really taking notice because they, they love you and they don't believe that you would do that. And basically taking advantage of your own mind, body and soul every day. Now that went on for a good two to three years. And within that two to three years, I was drink driving. I was stealing from shops. I was stealing from friends. I was doing everything that you shouldn't be doing uh, around house parties. And not only taking drugs, but also inspiring other people to take drugs, which is a really selfish and nasty move to make. Um, and the thing was, is when you've been taught or shown a certain thing from when you're at school and you choose to take that route, that route becomes really evil. And that's what was happening for me. The route was turning more and more evil as I decided to keep taking it. It got to the point where I lost my driving license, street driving, and I remember just thinking, wow, I can't go to nightclubs. I can't go into places now that potentially uh, I could have got to before because I was in a little village in the middle of nowhere. So it was a case of like, get on the bus or get on the train. And that wasn't what I was really about. So after seven years of doing that journey and being that person, I decided when I lost my license drink driving to see if my dad had an opportunity where he could help me move out of my mum's house because my dad was an entrepreneur and he owned uh, bed sits and hotels in Leicester so I said to my dad who I really didn't have a connection with for seven years I said to him would you be able to maybe give me a bed sit and do you know I mean give mum a let mum kind of cut out her hair a bit and see if I can find my own my own self or see if I can do something for myself really um so moving into this bed set I was still realistically the same person I was drinking drugs smoking and stealing straight away back into the wrong crowd and not only did I leave my mum in a car and say bye mum I left my mum's house and filled my mum's car up with all her antiques. Filled it up. And a friend of mine, a friend, uh, helped me pack the car. Moved into the bed sit, piled all the antiques out of the car under the bed, thinking I was going to be able to pawn them and create some financial income for myself. A couple of weeks uh, living in the bed sit, having house parties every single night with sort of bet anything between five and ten men, double the age of me, coming around and sitting with me in the, in the flat. I got a phone call from my mum saying she had just been in my wardrobe, in my old bedroom, and pulled an antique out of a scarf. Now, at this point, I must have forgot about that one lonely antique in the scarf. And she's like, what? Why is that in your wardrobe? And obviously that created a red flag for my mum. Now, as a, as a couple of days went by, I ended up with the police at my front door. And at this point, luckily, I hadn't pawned or, or sold any of the items that were in the room they were still in the room so in comes my brother my mum my sister gallivanting in with the police behind them and there they are all the items in the room and it was my brother basically smacked my ass big time and I lost complete connection with my family apart from my father who was in the bed sit with so at that point I'm just kind of like you know what I mean S sleep going to my mate's house sleeping on a sofa smoking pot 
eating cereal for lunch, not really knowing what to do with myself, thinking, wow, this is, this is uh, a great life. So the turning point for me was this. And I'm so, so unbelievably lucky that this happened because if it didn't, I'd probably be dead. I had a message of a guy on Facebook and he said to me, um, hey, I remember meeting you out in Northampton a couple of years ago and I remember you telling me that your dad was a property developer. I've got a new job in Leicester and I'm really looking for somewhere to live. So at this time, I was still in the bed sit and I said to him, well, I'll have a word with my dad for you and I'll see if, if you can move in and below me in the flat below me. And my dad was like, um, yeah, we can set that up. Just pass him the number and we can get it sorted. So after a couple of days, uh, we signed the contract and sort of 10 days went by and this guy moved in. Now, he didn't drink, he didn't smoke, he didn't do drugs and he didn't steal. Now, I'm not used to somebody like that because everybody I'm used to was doing that. So I was like kind of like who is this guy do you know what I mean who is this person so within the first month I tried to make him steal I tried to make him do drugs I tried to make him drink I tried to make him do everything that I was doing to get him on my level and yes in some ways it started to work but Deep down, he wasn't that guy, and he knew better than that. And what happened eventually, his habits started to turn my habits. So after six months, I wasn't drinking, I wasn't smoking, I wasn't doing drugs, and I wasn't stealing. And it happened without me even thinking about it. I didn't even think. I'm not going to steal anymore. I'm not going to do this. It literally just, it was like, I, it was just literally like I was drinking a glass of water and the, the fluid was just rushing out of my body down to my piss. It was like I was literally pissing it out. I was, I was getting rid of the toxic fuels and energy that had been displaying in my life. And this person was giving me the right vision and the right, habits to realize that what I was doing was actually completely off the rails. Now, there was one thing that was always in the back of my mind. And that was the fact that when I stole the items from my mum's house, yes, I didn't pawn the stuff that was taken. But six months before that, I had taken more stuff and this was jewellery. Now that had been pawned and that was always in the back of my mind. When my mum found out about the antiques, she asked me if I'd taken anything else. And I said, no, I couldn't tell her. So after the six months of stopping all of these negative habits that were killing me in the back of my mind was still what I'd done and then one day my brother and his fiance said that they'd got the date for them getting married and what happened was I went over to my mum's house in the countryside and on my brother's wedding day, my mum said, well, I need to get that jewellery out of the floorboards for, for my brother's uh, wife's wedding dress. Could you go and get it for me? And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh my God, it's all the jewellery's gone. And I was so fortunate that day that my mum changed her mind and decided not to go under the floorboards and look for the jewellery. But as the weeks went by, she then did later on find out. And again, I had the police at my door, but this time my, my soul had been awakened 
in some way, shape or form because the toxics of what I was doing with myself had been leaked out. And when she found out, it was so awful because then I really lost the connection with my mother who brought me to this world. Now, the only person that was in my life, apart from the guy, the angel who came into my world, was my father at this point. And my dad was 79 years of age. And my dad said to me, right, you've got to sort yourself out. I want you going on a, I want you going on a college course. You're going to do business. And I'm, I'm going to buy you a gym membership and you're going to go to the gym. And my dad, was, my dad was quite strict. And that was something I really missed in my life. I really missed that strict person giving me some, some rules. And um, for the first time in my life, there I am, walking in the snow, because at this time I'd still lost my license drink driving. Walking in the snow, the rain, still really, really difficult to get there on time. And I started going to the gym. Now, the gym for me was an extremely indefinite, great thing that I started to do. It started to push me. I, I started to feel a sense of achievement. Now, when I was at college, I was still hadn't found my purpose and you could imagine my brain was really still tangled even though I'd stopped doing these bad habits my brain and my body had been really really dismantled during the pressure that I'd put inside myself because inside of us our like our skeleton our lungs our liver our kidneys it's so delicate and what you put in your mouth, what you hear through your ears and what you see through your eyes, that's what makes you up as a human being. So when I was at, when I was at the college, uh, a guy came up to me called Marvin and he said to me, wow, you're, you're a nice looking girl. Do you fancy being in a famous music video, modeling and dancing? So I was like, wow, well, I, like, I think I like modeling, but I'm definitely not a dancer. But do you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. Let's do it. So I went down to the Sugar Hut, which is like a famous kind of like a famous club near London in Essex. And the video was uh, Dappy from N-Dubs, who's a, it's a UK artist. And I went in this video. I wore this huge wig and this little dress. And I basically just put my hands in the air like you do, just don't care <laughs> and there was 11 other girls in the video and yeah it was a great experience but not knowing that the experience actually gave me a feeling now when I got home I was sort of like buzzing from it I was like wow I've just done something that was a bit different and I thought to myself like okay when's this video going to launch because I can't wait to see it. So the video launched and it got over a million hits on YouTube. When the video launched, I got some inboxes on Facebook. Now, before these inboxes used to come in, I used to get really abusive messages because I was in the Leicester Mercury for stealing. I was drink driving. I was doing community service. So for the first time in my life, I got messages from strangers saying, I've seen you in this music video, you look great, well done. I love your tattoos, I loved your hair, etc. else, well, my wig, <laughs> etc. else. So I'm thinking, wow, what can I do next that's gonna help me stand out from the crowd and basically be seen? What, what can I do next that's gonna make people come towards me and say something nice about me? And it really, really lit a fire in my soul. So I decided to get myself into like a bar job and just kind of like still try and find something to get on with. So it started off just doing some modeling. So I was modeling and doing the bar job. Now, 
modeling is great for confidence. Putting yourself in front of the camera is really, really good to build up your confidence because you can be creative with not only the way you look, but also your fashion and also your creativity with the, the, the place you are. So you could stand in front of a castle, you could stand in front of a river, you could stand in front of a flashy car, you could, it, it, the, the, it's endless, it's absolutely endless of what you can do with it. And I really, really started to enjoy it. So I was working in a bar um, and I was just tickling through life at this stage, not earning much money. And then the owner of Lloyd's Bank came into the bar that I was working in. So I was like having a chat with him and he was like, oh, you've got a great personality. Would you like to work in a bank? And I'm like, a bank like you've got like the journey I've been on to then be displayed with that kind of job opportunity I was like wow I'd love love to work in a bank I think I do anyway so I decided to go to the interview and at this stage I was telling my mum what I was doing and I was slowly trying to regain a relationship with my family. So when my mum, my brother and my sister heard that I had a job interview for Lloyd's Bank, they started to talk to me a little bit more differently. Now, I went for a three process uh, interview round and I got the job. Now, I was sitting with my dad who obviously is fairly old age and I said to my dad dad on this application because you have to fill like an application form to just send off at the last step I said to him it says I've got a criminal record dad um do you think that I should t tick yes or no on the box my dad's like just tick no it's okay it's all in the past don't worry about it so I was like oh, okay then I'll put no, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Sent off the form. Went into the job, got all the booklets, sat in this little room with this fan blowing. The, the textbook looks like this thick. I was like, oh my God, this is going to take me forever to learn this job. Three weeks into the job role, two men with samurai swords broke into the bank and robbed 80 grand from the bank. It was a very crazy mad thing that happened but the worst part of it is the police then looked into my record and realized that I'd been done for stealing I'd had drink driving ban and they were like you can't work at a bank with a criminal record you just you just can't do it so they put me on suspension for two weeks and during that time my mind still didn't know if I'd lost the job or not. I was unaware at that point in my life. I thought there's still hope. Um, and I remember going into the bank two weeks later and the lady who actually set me up and, and said, yes, you've got the job was sitting in front of me. And you could tell she absolutely hated me. She was, she was just disgusted by my behavior of writing yes or no on the application form. And I remember walking out the bank, looking up to the sky and tears were just rolling down my face. I just thought, everything I do, I haven't got a chance in hell to be successful because I've got a criminal record. And I really, really felt like that at that moment. But I was so fortunate that my mum, my brother and my sister had reopened the door to the relationship with me. Otherwise, I think I might have even felt suicidal at that point. Now, doing the modelling was a great, a great confidence build for me. And the modelling actually then led me on to doing competitions. So the first competition I did was Miss Leicester, which is a local competition uh, which goes through into Miss England. And I got fifth place and I was really proud of myself. And my mum and my dad, uh, even though they're not together, they still both came to watch me in this competition. It was a really proud moment. After that competition, 
I then moved on and did the British Bikini Championship. Uh, so I trained in the gym and I got my body up to a really good spec and I got second place. And I, again, was really proud of myself. And then the third competition I did was Miss Garlagy Casino, which was a group of 40 girls. Um, and there was only one winner. So that was, that was that one. And then the final competition I did was Miss Midlands UK. Um, and again, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get any placement in that, but it was a really good, um, a really good thing to get involved with and to get yourself confidence building up really really strong and you meet some great people so I'm still still working in a bar at this point and um I really had a feeling that I wanted to be on television because when you do your modeling and you do you do your competitions you're like what's next tv it must be tv so I kept applying and applying and applying for loads of tv shows now, at the same point of applying for all these shows, this is when my real awakening started to happen. The real Celestia started to emerge. So I got my driving license back and I went over to my mum's house on my own and I would sit in the countryside. I would go to a bench or I'd go to a river or I'd go to somewhere where it was just me and the world. No one else, no one to tap into my mental thought, my mental activity. It was just me and my personality. And just by sitting in nature, I started to feel like nature. So the first thing I started to feel was the fact that the trees are helping us breathe. And for me, that's really magical. The second thing I picked up on was the fact that when I was kind of in, in my car or in my mom's car going down a motorway, th there's a lot of people in this world. And then there's a lot of people. And eventually you're like, wow, like there's billions of people, not, not millions, but billions people say seven billion but I think there's many more than that we don't know the precise figure and that for me was a really strong awakening tool now the third awakening was the fact that we're skeletons with 206 bones in our bodies and I didn't know until you know what I mean later on in my life that I was a skeleton at school I never thought about being a skeleton it was something I never even look I never I didn't listen much in class so I didn't didn't know I wasn't aware of it and then the fourth awakening and this was the biggest awakening for me and this is what holds me today to be the person I am and that's the fact that we're on a planet and the thing is we're not just on a planet we're on a planet floating in the universe and that for me is absolutely magic. It is insanely scientifically crazy that I never would imagine that I'm a skeleton on a planet floating in the universe. And just by sitting out in the countryside at night and connecting my soul to the universe, the universe spoke to me and it guided me to understand things. And I truly believe that it does. And when I started to figure that out, I just felt my awakening had taken place and Celestia was really born. Because my real full name is Sophie Celestia Barbie. Sophie is the druggy alcoholic. Celestia is the beautiful spiritual person who's here to save the humans. And that's the transition of what I went through. So the first TV show that I applied for, well, I applied for a lot, but the first one that I got onto was Naked Attraction on Channel 4. Now, I was applying for loads of TV shows, and at this point, I realised we're on a planet floating in the universe, we're born naked, we're actually realistically probably supposed to be naked. And I just thought, at this point, I really want to be on TV. So I went on a naked dating show 
And you know what? It was good fun. I wouldn't do it now, but back then, at four years ago, this was, I did it and it was good fun. The second TV show I did was, this is, this is pretty cool. I did Channel 5 and I did Alan Titchmarsh Masterpiece. Now, Alan Titchmarsh Masterpiece is an antiques show where I can bring somebody on the show with me. So guess who I bought with me on an antique show? I bought my mum. After everything I'd done for her or did to her, would I say, finally I was able to show her that the, 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 the bridge can be rebuilt. And here I am on this antique show, guessing the antiques with my mum, and it really healed us. It really created um, a healing mechanism for, for, for the evil past that I've been through. And then the third show that I went on uh, was, again, another one for Channel, Channel 5, and that was Who's Hotter Than? And again, I could bring on somebody, and I brought my mum on the show, and it was Who's Hotter Than, You or Your Mum? Obviously, my mum's hotter. My mum was in her 60s at the time, and I would never ever say that my, I was hotter than my mum. So within, within sort of a six-month time gap, I was on three national TV shows. And my mum had never been on television before, and I got my mum on TV twice within three months, and she was really proud, and she, um, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. Now... We're rolling up to 2017 and I was still unaware of my purpose because you could only do so much modelling, competitions and TV shows to get to the level of be like, right, so where's, where's the money? Like, where, where am I making a living for myself? Like, how am I getting, going to evolve? Um, and what happened was my father, um, got really ill so he got he he had a house in Cape Town in South Africa and he got mugged he got hit round the back of the head with a baseball bat and he got his wallet stolen and he broke his hip so when my dad flew back from South Africa to the UK he was really uh steady and very very um brittle and and you know what I mean? It was really difficult time for him. Now he went through a healing process for a couple of months and then it was so unfortunate. For some strange reason, my dad decided to pick up a Coke can. There was a bit of litter on the floor. It was a Coke can on the floor. And he just decided to pick it up like near his house and he fell and broke his other hip. So within literally a couple of months, my dad had broke both hips, undergoing operations, got the measles, got dementia, and slowly started to die. Now, I had to go to the care home with him and um, be with him throughout the last sort of year of his life. Um, and it was so difficult for me because I lost the relationship with my dad from age 14 to 21. And then from age 21 to uh, 2017, um, that was the only time I really started to build the relationship up with him. So I really regret missing that time period. Now, during my dad's time being at the care home, I really had a, a feeling of entrepreneur in me. I really wanted to sort of, I had like an entrepreneur element to me somewhere in there. And the first thing I did um, was I decided I wanted to do a fashion line. Now, the fashion line was called Celestia Hyde. And I thought of this name because me and my mum went to London. We were in Hyde Park and I picked up this leaf and I pressed the leaf when I came home. And I thought to myself, this can be my logo. And because I had a bold personality instead of really planning things I basically dived in straight into the deep end and decided to just go for this fashion line quite quick now 
I have been fortunate in my life and I always think some people they talk about their struggles but I also have been fortunate um my brother and my sister got £20,000 at a certain age from mum and dad so at this time my mum and dad I got £20,000 silly old me spent £20,000 on a load of stock from China got it shipped over bags and boots and t-shirts with modeling images on and I thought that I could sell everything within a short amount of time and double the income that's what I thought so I had a stand at a show called the NEC in Birmingham which is a big city in the in the UK and it was a week on a stand and I really believed I could sell all my products every single one and I would walk away with at least 60 grand now my mum came to help me she sat on the stool with me and we made around about 1,600 pound in the week and I was absolutely devastated I thought oh my god I've spent all this money I've got all these bags and boots and t-shirts and I've literally just wasted everything by not being ready not not actually finding out the real answers before before putting down the cash um so that was something where I really then started to struggle so I ended up on like the market stalls I was on eBay trying to get rid of the clothes and they weren't going down very quickly tell me that I ended up on Leicester market which is in the city I live in and I was the bags they started off selling at a, a, a strong fifty pound, and I ended up selling them at a fiver. And then at one point, one somebody wanted one for two pound fifty, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I hate selling like selling solid products for me. I don't personally like it. It's not my cup of tea." So a couple of months went by, and um, unfortunately, my father passed away. During that time, um, it was obviously very difficult. My mum's struggling. My mum and dad, even though they split up, they still had a great connection, friendship-wise. And it was really difficult because I sat in the room and I watched my dad take his last breath. And I was the only one that spoke at his funeral. I was the only one who turned up to the home um, when my dad was actually dead and he was in his coffin I turned up and put my dad my dad liked looking good and I didn't want him going down in that coffin without him having special things in that coffin so I put a family picture on his chest I um, made him I made him feel special when he was now obviously going into the ground because you could just put the lid on and put a tracksuit on them and say right they're dead now but for me my dad was a hard working driven extremely special person and he deserved to have special things in his coffin around his body to be rememberable and I'm really really glad that I did that because the rest of my family they didn't want to go and see him so I was the only person that had the confidence to go and put myself forward and I was the youngest of the family as well um so losing my dad was hard but the one thing my dad said to me he said to me don't worry you'll be okay in life because you've got a good personality now, at that time, when he said that sentence, that didn't really mean much to me. I thought, okay, good personality. That doesn't mean anything. But it did. Now, six months before my dad died, because I knew that he was on the journey to, to, to not being here, I said to him, if you could leave me anything, could you leave me the old garage in Leicester? This, this old garage with boxes and a old car that was somebody else's in there I said if you could leave me anything could you leave me this old garage so when my dad passed away I decided to, to take on this old garage as a project so I thought I've been to so many studios 
during like the modeling and even the TV shows, I was going to like studios and I really liked it. I really, I really got a kick of going into studios. There's always a really nice environment. It's always really positive and hardworking. And I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to build a studio out of this old garage. So I sold my car as I didn't have much cash at this point, And I injected the money into the studio. Now it took me eight months to build the studio. And during that time, I thought to myself, right, I'm building a, a photography studio slash modeling agency. That's what I thought I was building. As the studio started to look great, I thought, right, I need to have a launch night. So I, I had my launch night in August 2017. And when I launched, I had 70 people turn up, friends, family, all sorts. And I remember I'd never spoken on a microphone in my life. The DJ was in there and he's like, you've got to speak. And I had this piece of paper on a piece of cardboard and I was I could just feel the emotion all in me. And I knew it's going to only take me a couple of sentences to just basically, <laughs> and literally that's all the speech was. It was a, a big cry. And it was, I, I thought I'm successful. I thought I'm successful. But really that was just where the seed was planted. The success hadn't even been started yet. But at that point, I thought it had. So a couple of months into having the studio, I was getting some like studio hires, which were really good bread and butter. And I was doing some model days, which were great to attract people in there. And I just want to make a point. This studio is not in a city centre location. If you drove by this studio on a road, you wouldn't even know it was there. Okay, so after a few months went by, I sat in my bedroom on my own and I started basically scouting models through the internet. And I managed to get 10, then 20, then 30, then 40, then 50, 60 models on my books. And I think the main reason they said yes because I'd done my modelling, my competitions and my TV shows, I'd shared the documentary of what I'd been doing onto social media. And because I'd created a half-decent profile for myself, these, all these models were believing that I could do something for them. So there's little old me sitting in my bedroom trying to make this business work. And it got to the point where I was passing Sarah Jane over to the job Sarah Jane would turn up at the job and then I would get a phone call saying Sarah Jane's late Sarah Jane's drinking alcohol Sarah Jane's bought her boyfriend Sarah Jane's underage and for me it got to the point where I felt like I was sitting behind a computer screen and I was a middleman for everybody else and I thought there's more to me than this. I believe in this world, you have to be 50% about you, but 50% about others. And that's a really important mindset to keep. So December, uh, December 2018, I did my first women empowerment session. So the modeling agency kind of just sort of like flaked away, if we would say. It was flaky. It just sort of sat there with all these faces on a website. And I just thought, I need to just evolve from this, make something better than this. So I reached out to a selection of different people through the internet, completely at random, never met them before in my life. And I just said, would you like to come to a women empowerment session? And they were like, yeah, we'd love to come. And I said, oh, it's 45 pounds. Um, just come on down and, you know what I mean? We'll have six hours together. So during that sort of time, time period, I was really winging it. 
really winging it. So I was asking questions and I was taking photos of people and I was just doing things that I actually had no expertise in whatsoever. I was completely winging it. <laughs> but from winging it, it was working. And after I did the women empowerment session, they all left with smiles and happiness and tears and joy. And I thought to myself, wow, I need to create my next session. So for the whole year of 2018, I went through a journey of creating group sessions. So I worked with men, women, children, disabled people, the homeless, gay, lesbian, all the spectrum of people. And the groups varied between six to 12 people at a time. And it was really fun. And I learned so much about other people's emotions, feelings, and just listening that everybody wants to be heard. Everybody's got something that they just need a little bit of a helping hand with. So 2019, I started to feel like a boss. I started to feel like a VIT. And VIP means very inspirational person. So I realized that I loved speaking and I decided to start doing some events and inviting sort of 20 people to come and watch me at the studio. I'd have notes and notes of paper. I would be reading like mad. And I just grew myself within my environment and didn't care what anybody else thought, whatever level I was at, I just winged it. And as the weeks went through, I got better and better and better at it. And I started doing these small events and the small events got to bigger events. And then in mid 2018, I decided to hire a venue out and I sold 400 tickets on my own and I scouted 40 models and got 12 high street designer brands involved in a show. And it was absolutely electric. Then from that, I carried on doing the group sessions and I started tapping into one-to-one -one clientele. And I remember my first ever one-to-one -one client was called Rupin. And he came to me from a client, a, a guy that I knew who worked at a gym. He recommended me to Rupin. All good and well known that this guy that he got recommended with, I'd never done a one-to-one -one client before, but Rupin had absolutely no idea that he was my first client. And Rupin stayed with me for a whole year after that. So obviously I was good, good enough to uh, wing it. And um, in 2018, at the end of 2018, I had done another event um, that again had between four and 500 people. I scouted another 12 top Hyde Street designer brands. And again, it was an extremely powerful hit and a great promotion. So turning into 2019, that's when I realized that I was a confidence life coach and an inspirational speaker. And it takes a long time to pick a coaching niche because first of all, I thought I'm a business coach. Am I a career coach? Am I a relationship coach? You go through like a really, like a journey to like pick what it was. But for me, confidence is something that I really seriously have. It's a massive talent of mine and it's something that's going to awaken billions of people in this world. And for me, that's, that speaks volumes by me saying billions. You, you could speak to somebody and I'll go, I want to inspire millions, just one million. I'm here to inspire billions, not millions. And that is how confident I am with saying that sentence. And I just think that, you know I mean, one life, go for it. So 2019, I 
this has been that that for me has been the best year so far so i built up a really strong um connection with getting my one-to-one clientele and i decided to launch an event and the event was called the role model awards now the the two events that i had done the big events that i'd done prior to this were called the matrix but they didn't ha- even though they had great great time and great meaning they didn't have that real sense of exact purpose i was looking for so the role model show was something that i felt was the right direction to head in because somebody said to me oh you're a model and i said no darling i'm a role model <laughs> and that for me is something that i really feel like i am so uh, 25 top role models from across the UK and put them in an on stage award ceremony with 12 top designer brands hmm. and when i did the show it really opened the door to show my leadership of as a coach of where i sit on this planet because all of these other coaches were sitting in my ball game and i i was the owner of the show and even up to this point i didn't even have a team i was still there the celestia barbie the vip the only team member <laughs> and people really looked up to me they really seen that i was something special and that's all i wanted people to recognize me as something of real value for other people to be able to become uh more evolved in the way they think act and look so after doing that event i realized that okay i have this fantastic photography studio but i also have a second floor that is full with boxes and crap and i just thought you know what i need to decorate this and i need to make it make it look good so i took took a few months out and i really just started to build the second floor to the studio and um after it was finished i thought to myself right it's now time to write a book so i started writing a book and i named the book how to find your real soul and become a boss i published it back in 2019 and it was a huge um success and it was just so beautiful cuz a lot of people who had the book they were taking selfies and they were sending me their pictures and it was just such a wonderful experience and from that book i then decided to create the role model academy So the role model academy is something that is still being evolved still being created and in sort of the next 2 years it's going to be absolutely outstanding. Um so the role model academy is um the second floor of the studio but I can also bring clients downstairs if I need to because the, the downstairs studio is so creative that everybody everybody loves going in there so it's got massive scope for what I'm doing and um the role model academy is the thing that I'm really developing at the moment and I've created uh six strong packages that I offer strong courses that I offer and I've created all the courses in my bedroom and uh one of the courses is how to find your real soul and become a boss so that's a 3 day course that's a group session uh for six people the second course that i offer is uh the role model the role model course which is a life coaching um journey for people to come on to so that's a 6 to 12 sessions and that can be spread over uh 6 weeks or 6 months depending on who that person is and where that person uh what what journey they're on in their life to fit fit it in fit it in right and then I do the evolution day which is a one day um 
course which is just stripping that person down completely uh, and it's really giving them uh, some vision to become better and to become more advanced and more creative within their uh, journey of life and then um, the next course offer is signature soul plan so that's an online zoom course and that is amazing because I get to work with people in America Dubai Australia and I get to speak to people across the world and I get to be I get to be paid for it uh, and it, it is, it's incredible to to be paid to talk to somebody for a phone is mind-blowingly brilliant and I sit in the space that sometimes even in my own home that I'm doing it and it's just fantastic and then uh, the 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 other two courses they offer I offer a social media workshop which because I've got 120,000 followers online uh, a lot of people only have couple of thousand or they've only posted a couple of times but I've posted I've posted too much I'm posting <laughs> I'm posting 30 times a day people can't even keep up with my my brain like the way I think and they come to me to get the, the ball rolling and to get the branding right and stuff like that so that that works really well um and then the last course that I offer is uh the blueprint how to become a life coach and that is something that uh, I've only recently just created. And during lockdown, uh, I sold my first course. And I was so proud of myself. I sold it for £700. And the guy came to me. Um, the guy came to me. And the beauty of it was there's a course, the NLP, which is a top one of, it's the top life coaching course to go on and this man had paid five thousand pounds and he had no idea what to do next so he came to me and said you i can see you've got this new course um i've just paid x y and z for this and i don't know what i'm doing and then he came to me and now he knows exactly what he's doing so at the moment I am a one-man team. So for me, my, my plan is to get these courses really pumping out because where I am at the moment um, with COVID-19, we are still uh, in an area of, you know what I mean, quite, quite sort of lockdown-ish ways of going on a lot. So for me, it's just using next year to get these six courses really selling like hotcakes selling like hotcakes fully fully booked near enough i don't i want people i want it to be a waiting list mm -hmm. um when they when they get to the point where that waiting list is is happening i will then 2021 start to build a very extremely creative team oh. and then from that creative team obviously for me it's about creating my second my second studio which will be in London uh, and then the team will grow and then I will also fingers crossed uh, be planting more seeds in other countries for more academies um, so yeah so for me it's about giving people a voice helping people find their worth Mm -hmm. giving people a better chance to stand out online because social media is pretty much everything nowadays. Everybody's online and helping people realize that we're on a planet floating in the universe and there's 8 billion people. So why can't you be successful? And that for me is the icing on the cake why can't you be successful if there's over 8 billion people and you're a good person? Right. It only takes for you to hunt like a lion and for you to go out there and piece the jigsaw together for your success. And I tell you what, only takes for you to have the confidence to walk up to people and ask questions and to keep putting your ideas into other people's brains 
for things to really start to turn. And something that I've done during lockdown and during COVID-19 is I've started doing online interviews. And I've interviewed in the last two months around 30 people. And these people have all been very, very amazing people and I've learned so much and all that did was taking the time and the confidence to reach out and say hey how are you nice to meet you great profile would you like to do an interview and what happens when you team up with good people your value rubs and when your value rubs and you take videos and you take photos other people see that you've connected with that other piece of value. And then like a big chocolate cake, all <laughs> the little ants, they come running to the chocolate cake because they want a piece of your cake. And I am building a very special cake back here. And I am just so thankful that I'm not only a confidence life coach, but I'm also an inspirational speaker who is not only building these incredible academies, but also uh, putting myself on stage and definitely over the next few years gonna be traveling the world, uh, speaking and opening up to billions of humans above ground with all their hearts beating, uh, celebrating life. And that for me is uh, what it's about. It's about coming together, celebrating life, with purpose awesome well Celeste, thank you so much for sharing your your message and and really your life journey I, what an inspiration to see you know the turnaround that you've had over the last 10 years and and i i think that this is really going to help a lot of kids out there who are you know everybody when you're 14 you're vulnerable you can go one yep. or two directions and and so it's great to see your story as a cautionary tale for what can go wrong but to see how you were able to turn things around and what an inspiration you are now as, as you're reaching out and, and looking for those role models and building that chocolate cake. So it's fantastic. That's it, That's it. 100%. Yeah. And the thing is, nev never be scared. That's the most important thing. And I think one of my famous quotes, and I'll leave you with this, is you must be a fool to harm your own soul. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, thank That's you so it. much for your time today, Celestia. I appreciate it. No problem. All right, my lovely. We'll speak soon. Thank you so much for joining us today on Virtual School Assembly. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to Virtual Assemblies. And leave us a rating and review so we know what you learned and took away from this Virtual Assembly. Videos and show notes are found at virtualschoolassembly.com. And if you're a school leader and you're looking for a speaker for virtual or traditional in-school assemblies, or if you're looking for some teacher training, I'd love to connect with you to see how I can help. You can check out my website at tylerchristiansen.com. Thanks. You are super duper. Let's go out and make the world a better place. Bye-bye.